My name is Doug Bell, and today on Bodhi Talk, we will revisit the all-important process of self-care in light of the crucial role it plays in providing the foundation upon which we may most effectively attend to the day-to-day challenges that we all face. Now, each week when I sit down to prepare for this show, I um, I just <laughs> wonder where I'm going to go next time. <laughs> on this next show. Um, Sometimes I'll draw from articles I've read in the paper, magazine, what have you, and uh, as of this morning, I just didn't have a clue what I was going to say. So I'm just thinking about how uh, I've been looking at the circumstances uh, that we're all dealing with, really, with all the the kerfluffle over the Mueller report and the nature of our planetary existence in light of climate change and all the repercussions that are playing out related to that and many other factors. And sometimes it just gets so overwhelming that uh, I find myself uh, getting into a kind of a dark space, shall we say. And of course, as a psychotherapist, I'm often dealing with people that are in dark spaces for any number of reasons. Uh, usually it's a more personal nature, and often, though, it, it, it's sort of exacerbated. Their own stuff is uh, just darker because of the the more global, political, environmental, and such circumstances. Um, so self-care. Uh, this is where I always go. I, I just had a session yesterday with a client who was in a very dark space and not that unusual for her, but she had been in a more positive space for some time and uh, it just took a deep dip. And it was really about helping her regain a connection with what it was that is much more within our capacity to control. And that's staying in our own business. As you know, I often refer to the work Byron Katie, Katie, uh, as as she's known, uh, has presented uh, in her book, Loving What Is, the work, which is really about questioning our beliefs and Uh, with this client yesterday, that's where I went. I was just encouraging her to question these very dark beliefs, which I knew as she expressed them uh, were not valid, but she was uh, coming from a a conviction that they they were true. And they were not very pleasant uh, beliefs. So, um, you know, I'd like to focus this show on the basic process of psychotherapy. And... Uh, again, I don't really consider self-care to be something that can be overemphasized. Uh, and as a psychotherapist, that's that's really what I, I tend to hone in on. Um, and so, anyway, as a psychotherapist, I have grown to appreciate the interrelatedness and interdependence of the many facets of our lives. And this is where I, I've been sort of recognizing that we're sort of a microcosm in the macrocosm. And even though, as Katie says, uh, 
there's only three kinds of business. There's my business, your business, and God's business. And really, all that we have any control over, all that we have any right to attend to, is our own business. If we get into the business of other people, you should do this or you shouldn't do that, well, that's going to be stressful. And if we get into that bigger picture of what it is that only this higher being, nature, the universe, God, however you refer to that presence, um, that's certainly not within our capacity to control or even begin to comprehend the immensity of what that entails. Um, so looking at this microcosm within a microcosm, macrocosm, uh, like what we're able to attend to, um, even though it may not have an effect on what's out there, it may help us change our perspective toward what's out there. And that, again, I refer often to A Course in Miracles, which makes that very profound declaration that we're not to uh, seek to change the world, but um, seek to change our mind about the world. And it's, it's sort of a, in psychotherapy terms, it's a cognitive restructuring that we need to do. And... So system theory is something that uh, I spent some years working in a family-based in-home services program, and that was really drawing from system theory, which is where there's an understanding that even though there was an individual patient uh, that we were brought into this process uh, in this family, there's a, a kid that is out of control and possibly going to be placed out of the home. So very serious levels of dysfunction. Um, but we were guided in understanding the system involved, that it was really not just that kid that was problematic, but the entire system of which he's a part. Parents, extended family, uh, the community, school, uh, whatever uh, significant factors are affecting that kid's perspective. Um, and this is where we need to sort of dig deeply into an understanding of how we're all interrelated and uh, interdependent. Uh, so typically when I engage with my client during, our fir during her first visit with me, I invite her into a process of examining the goal or objective she intends to accomplish through counseling. And generally that may be about uh, experiencing some uh, ongoing uh, low mood depression uh, might be maybe bipolar circumstances, maybe more purely anxiety, although anxiety and depression are often together. Maybe it's a relationship issue. Uh, but we need to have a clear sense as we begin this process as to where she's at and uh, where she wants to go. And then we seek to uncover how she arrived at the point which prompted her to seek this help. And this is where um, it's, a, it's a process of, like I say, uncovering and getting beneath the surface, looking at the whole process. And I, I think of it almost like a, a jigsaw puzzle that we're sort of um, spreading out the pieces of this, uh, oh, many, many <laughs> hundreds or even thousands of pieces of puzzle, uh, jigsaw puzzle pieces. And then we proceed to find the patterns. This is important. I always look for a, a pattern where something is recurring over and over. And that's, that reveals how the pieces come together. Because usually the whole process of what shapes us, and 
Uh, like I'm not really a classic Freudian, but I do appreciate the nature of our childhood experience as to how we are really programmed from a, the earliest stage, even before birth. We're, we're programmed in the womb, just the vibrations that are absorbed um, in the environment that the, the mother carrying us uh, at that gestation process, through that gestation process, uh, that's having a very significant effect. But then when you get into all of the complexity of day-to-day life and the way that the parenting process is occurring and whomever may be involved in that process of influencing this very um, absorbent mind, uh, that's a term that uh, uh, Maria Montessori uh, talked a lot about in developing the Montessori schooling method that she had in a a deep appreciation of how, even though there's this uh, seemingly naive, ignorant uh, kid that is only three, four, or five years old, um, that the mind within that child is like a sponge absorbing much more than we consider even possible uh, to be understood and comprehended in their own way. So what it is that's happening uh, in that process uh, may be very disturbing, but uh, it's almost as if it's like a we're like biocomputers, and it's just going into our hard drive the beliefs that are being imposed. And as uh, parents and extended family and whomever is relating with that absorbent mind. Uh, there may be the thought that oh, this kid's not able to understand what's going on here, and I can say this or that, and it won't make any difference. But when I, uh, uh, as a child at that age, if I hear you're not good enough or you're uh, useless or uh, whatever negative uh, statement is made, that is absorbed and sort of uh, processed as factual. And then that becomes a belief. So, and again, uh, in the process of sitting down and talking with my clients in those initial sessions, I'm just looking at what it is that's going on in the shaping of the current uh, perspective of this person, um, creating that current problem. It's it's usually traceable back to those early parts. And, and again, like a puzzle, all these pieces are being presented, and some fit nicely together, and some, as I say, form patterns. And that's, again, a key to looking at how uh, certain patterns might reflect the abuse, neglect, or maybe confused and or chaotic relationships that uh, this child is experiencing, uh, and reflecting the very distorted beliefs that they have been programmed uh, to internalize into their uh, hard drive and their biocomputer. And this is what we as children uh, depend upon as the kind of roadmap um, for the adult selves that we later become. And again, back to Katie, she's always pointing out the need to question those beliefs. And I've often mentioned the whole uh, way back uh, 2,400 years ago when Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. 
And this is really what we're talking about. So the process of psychotherapy is very inherently involving the process of looking deeply beneath the surface at those patterns of experiences that we may not really think that much. We we may have a, a memory of certain things. A lot of these memories may sort of... Uh, be forgotten or buried, but uh, they're always there. And that's this is where you know I, I work with hypnosis and hypnotherapy, which is where it's possible to actually access memories that seem otherwise to be inaccessible. Uh, and so that's where it just becomes a very fascinating process as to how you can actually do a an age regression. And uh, I don't want to get it too deeply into this process, but uh, I've even done past life regression work with clients who wanted to experience where they were before they were incarnated in this particular life. And that gets really fascinating. And I would refer to the work of Brian Weiss, who uh, is doing some amazing work in that area. <clears throat> but as I said, I don't want to get too deeply into that. But there are times when looking at what it is that's happening in a particular lifetime uh, and seeing an intense problem uh, that it doesn't really relate to what seems to be available in the programming of this particular biocomputer in this lifetime. And that's when I start to wonder about maybe there's some deep impression from a past life that's creating this uh, dilemma currently. But as I say, that's not what this particular show is about. I really wanted to get into the whole process, though, of looking at this uh, need to sort of bring the total collection of the pieces in this puzzle together in a more balanced whole picture. So this brings us back then to self-care. And uh, I'm going to get more deeply into that ag again uh, after our break, but I just want to clarify here that uh, training the mind is really uh, an ongoing process. And although I, I'm coming from the model of psychotherapy because that's what I do, I recognize that there are many ways to do that. We don't have to sit down and talk to some uh, therapist to engage in this process. You can pick up a book like Katie's, The Loving What Is, and have some guidance as to how to just deal with the ongoing moment-to-moment -moment stuff that involves a belief, like a, making a judgment, you shouldn't do this or you should do that, <coughs> Excuse me. and then to uh, question the validity of that belief and recognize that we can never know with absolute certainty that that belief is true. And then when we take that third step of looking at, well, that belief, when I hold on to it, I experience a lot of stress because I'm in this resistance to other, and they're in resistance to me, and we're going at it, and that's not very happy. And there's another way to um, let go of that belief and actually embrace what it is. So we'll get a little bit more into that uh, in a few moments after we take a break. You're listening to Bodhi Talk on WJFF. I'm Doug Bill. I'm going to listen to uh, Deuter.
Okay, welcome back to Bodhi Talk, where today we're talking about self-care and uh, really looking at how there's a need, particularly uh, when life gets stressful. And I would, uh, again, say that we are in some very interesting times, bringing up that old Chinese curse, may you live in interesting times, because <laughs> uh, it can go both ways. And uh, I'd say right now, these interesting times are... Uh, rather alarming in many ways. So taking care of ourselves, we need to look at this is what we can control. And the holistic model that I've been, well, practicing and teaching uh, rather uh, significantly, I'd say, throughout my career and for over 40-some, 40 44 years, really. Uh, so... The holistic model, mind, body, heart, soul, strengthening, harmonizing, balancing all levels of our being. And as I've often said, what often occurs in our culture, being such a materialistic culture, we tend to look at the surface, uh, the material, the physical body, like we, we be, we've actually become a lot better at um, taking care of this, this vehicle. Uh, exercising, eating better, resting well, all of that. And what I'm really seeing, uh, uh, I talk about patterns, there's a, there's a pattern of our not really attending to the deeper psycho-spiritual level of our being. And what I was describing before the break about the psychotherapy process of looking deeply underneath the surface, finding patterns of behaviors, experiences that may have instilled within us a kind of dysfunctional way of l seeing the world and then relating to it because of these beliefs. And, uh, uh, and again, I often talk about addiction as being a result of seeing the problem, the lack of happiness or uh, whatever emptiness that we may feel as being a result of what's happening in the external world. And then we look to the external world for the resolution of that problem, which leads to addiction, because the, the source of the problem is really internal. It's how we choose to perceive the world. And when we get into that sense that the world is my enemy, and I'm just this innocent victim, that just sets in motion a whole... Mm -hmm mindset uh, I refer to as the victim mindset that uh, doesn't go anywhere in a healthy way at least. Um, so what we're looking at is moving inward, looking at what it is that we have experienced and realizing that, okay, it may be that bad things happened to us, that we were programmed wrongly, but it's now up to us to look at those beliefs and work at another angle and reprogramming, uh, cognitive restructuring, again, that psychotherapy term. Um, and that's really what we need to do is, as far as uh, reshaping the puzzle pieces into a picture of balance, harmony, and happiness, uh, continuing this puzzle metaphor here. Uh, but we need to take care of the vehicle. Um, that if we're, if we're not really... Um, physically, eating well, exercising, resting, all of that, our energies are going to be very fractured and limited and uh, just becoming more and more depleted, and we're not going to be able to direct our mind toward the process of 
attending to the day-to-day stressors as effectively as we would be if we were really uh, keeping ourselves in balance. And consider it just like a, a real, oh, like a, an automobile. Uh, if we're putting poor quality gas and not changing the oil and letting the tires nearly go flat, we're going to have some serious problems in getting from point A to point B. And the same thing with our physical body, which is like a uh, the most extraordinary vehicle on the planet. It's just such a complex uh, uh, collection of uh, well, cells and tissues and organs and organ systems and working together and uh, something that we as individuals with our mind could never control at all. But there's this presence guiding us. And that's where we're really needing to get into this deeper sense of being spiritual beings, having a human experience, is that spiritual beingness that really defines who we are. So again, returning to how I engage with clients and puzzling her pieces into a more harmonious, happy whole, the ideal always is uh, I intend to help her achieve is the ability to bring her trained, focused mind to the dysfunction around her and somehow find peace with it. And this can be called cultivating mindfulness. And that's really the essence of this whole process. And uh, I, I'll probably continue going over the same concept on future Bodhi talks. Uh, it's always a variation on a theme, but... Uh, this is where we always need to focus. And as I encourage all of my clients to understand that they need to place themselves priority number one over everything and everyone else. And often, especially parents, mothers in particular, will, will say, oh, no, I've got to be there for my kids or I've got to be there for my husband or whomever. Uh, and they, they tend to put themselves secondary or tertiary or <laughs> beyond that. And what I point out is that I'm not talking about excluding other. I'm talking about having the energy to be more lovingly attentive to those that we care about and love. And it's only when we're able to truly connect with ourselves on that deeper level and and really love ourselves and treat ourselves with the love and the respect and provide all the nurturance that we all want and need in life. And that's where we get the energy to be the loving presence we need to be as parents, partners, brothers, sisters, and uh, friends in this world. And <clears throat> so the mindfulness, uh, one technique that I encourage is uh, imagine that you're experiencing your life as if it were a movie. And you are the director, producer, uh, and actually even all the different parts within all the characters have been given their lines by yourself. So even the person that's screwing you over, you look at them and say, hey, you're doing a great job here uh, acting your role perfectly. And I need to look at how this is a lesson. You're presenting me with this horrible situation, screwing me over or what have you, and I need to reframe it. And so being mindful, uh, watching from this witnessing perspective, which is what it is that occurs as we begin to uh, watch from that higher perspective the vehicle that we are.
And this is where the the practice of mindfulness, uh, which I I'm about to go through a few minute, uh, just sort of an overview of what the different elements of this process is. But I want you to keep in mind that what I'm encouraging you to do really is to spend a good 10, 15, even 20 minutes, or even more if you have the time, on a regular basis to just schedule in a a time for yourself. And this is as important as eating a balanced meal or going for that walk or uh, getting a good night's rest, taking time to cultivate this skill of mindfulness. So as we again listen to Deuter in the background, I'd like you to just become aware of where you are in time and space and become present. And then watch the breath flowing in and out and feel the movement within your chest and ideally in your belly as you're breathing diaphragmatically. And perhaps even noticing that subtle shifting temperature in the opening of your nostrils, the slight cooling sensation as you breathe in. And after the air is warmed in your lungs, you might notice a slight warming sensation in your nostrils. And let that flowing breath be an anchor for your mind. And as I've often encouraged you to also use a mantra, you may have a mantra or If not, there's the universal mantra, so hum. And just listen to that sound, so, as you're breathing in. And just hear the hum as you breathe out. Just deepen your mind. And understand that what that signifies in in Sanskrit is I am that. I'm not this body, I'm not this thought, I'm not this brain, I'm not this relationship or this accumulation of possessions that I have. I am pure energy, light, beingness, one with all truth, the universe, God. I am that. So hum. And as you breathe and watch that, just let go of any tensions, any concerns about the past or the future. And then just witness, watching from that vantage point, the thoughts that come through your conscious awareness, the sensations of your body, and how the mind may wander to plans for the future or dwelling on something that happened earlier. And then just return your attention to the flow of your breath and the sound of that mantra. And then when you're ready to bring yourself back into alertness, just take a few slow, deep breaths as you reconnect with where you are in time and space and resolve to maintain that same kind of witnessing mindfulness. And take that with you for the rest of the the day. And practice. So now I want to thank Ron Penska for engineering today's show. And thanks to Jay Merrill for the Bodhi Talk theme music. And especially thanks to you for listening and for supporting WJFF Public Radio. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Namaste.
And good afternoon from the Catskills to the Poconos and all the endless mountains in between. You're tuned to 90.5 WJFF, your community radio station. Coming up, the Bioneers. Hello, Bullseye. My name is Stellan, and I'm calling from Sweden. The reason I love Bullseye is because of the great guests. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, I'll talk with Dan Gore. He's the showrunner for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Plus, comedian Tom Papa talks about his great new stand-up special. That's on the next Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Social distancing has created a lot of questions about COVID-19. I'm Ari Shapiro. Join us live every weekday for the National Conversation with All Things Considered. We take the questions you've asked about the disease, how to cope with the news, and we bring on experts to give you answers. The National Conversation with All Things Considered from NPR News. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. One of the most profound challenges that Fuller posed to himself, but to also anyone that would listen, was that if success or failure of this planet and of human beings depended on how I am and what I do, then how would I be and what would I do? It's all alive. It's 